This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Of course, On The Grid is powered by theracetalk.com. And speaking of the racetalk.com, Richard Crail and Mark Walker to join us very shortly. We'll preview what's coming up this weekend in Perth, the Perth Night Racing, which should be absolutely spectacular for the supercars over there at Barbagello. We'll also catch up with uh, Dale Rogers and have a chat about uh, the weekend's Formula One as well over in Azerbaijan. Heaps to come right here on the grid, powered by the Race Talk. Stay tuned. We'll kick it off in just a tick. Get low when the whistle go. So joining us on the line, Richard Crail. G'day, Crailsby. So, Richard, how are you? I'm mighty fine. Thank you, Mark Walker. How are you? Hello there. Fantastic. Uh, lovely weekend at home, which was nice uh, for you guys, though. It's uh, going to be, of course, a weekend over in Perth for the uh, first night race over in the West. Uh, the first question that comes to mind for me, are we expecting it to be as spectacular as Sydney was last year? Uh... I think it will. That that venue lends itself to it with that sort of stadium amphitheater style um, area, sort of pit straight, turn one, and then up the hill. Even though the pits get in the way of the view across now, um, hopefully they've thought about that and they gear everything down into turn one, which which would make a lot of sense. But yeah, I, I think it will. Um, night racing on its own is just a a massive spectacle, and and having seen and and Mark would agree. NASCAR's under under lights. It's just it just adds another dimension to it. Um, Speedway under lights is fantastic, and and I think all sports for the most part are better under lights than they are at the daytime. So I, you know, I think it'll add to it. Um, I don't think they'll want to do too many of these because it might lose a little bit of that appeal. But um, but one or two a year I reckon works, and this seems like a good a good one to uh, to have a crack at. Given we're not going back to Western Creek this year, so why not give it a give it a burl? This one works yeah, out. It's one of those rounds. Sorry, the Shebeck. Yeah, it's, it's a round that sort of needs a bit of a lift, doesn't it? It's sort mm. of just wallowed along for a bit. Like back in the day, the traffic jam to get into it was ridiculous. But these days, you can just swan up to the front gate and get in. So it needs something to happen over there to, to make it lift. I think with yeah. the Motorsport Park last year, you had 90% of the crowd around that pit straight where that you could do your big intros and your fireworks, and it was all pretty spectacular for the fans who were there. Um, yeah, like you said, Rich, the logistics there with that new pit lane on the inside, it sort of buggers it for everyone. So it'd be interesting to see how they sort of stage all that. And we've already seen some photos of the the, photo, uh, the firework practice. So, yeah, wait and see. Yeah, Alex Rulo doing a little bit of a test there for supercars over of the lights and the fireworks going off at the same time. Uh, it's, well, sorry, what I was going to say was it works perfectly, though, doesn't it, timing-wise, for the eastern states over there in Perth, uh, they get to race over there around about six six thirty at night, and we get to yeah. see it about eight thirty here, which is prime time. Yeah, the the irony is, is it's it's probably the AFL's one of the AFL's biggest handicaps, isn't it? Shebex, and you probably talk more of this than we can. That that Perth never really get those proper Saturday night or Friday no. night footy games True. because to get them back to the East Coast time zone, they have to start them at five or six pm at night, and and they found the same thing with the Big Bash that when the Scorchers play at night, proper late games, 
they've been they're the second game of a round of the night, and they don't start in the East Coast until nine thirty or ten o'clock. So it makes it a late night. But for this scenario, it's absolutely perfect, and we get primetime supercar racing races that start at well, I think eight eight thirty p.m., which is bang on the number when you want your eyeballs on television, and and that's the when the peak numbers are for Friday night football, both in league and AFL. Um, it's absolutely primo time slot, both Friday night and Saturday night. And the fact that Channel 10 are taking it, and full credit to Supercars and indeed to 10 for taking a punt on getting this on free-to-air as well, because I think this is a big this is a big test to see if this new format, if this move to Twilight Racing, this whole summer series idea they're trying to float, I reckon this is a big tick in the box to see if it's actually going to work and actually rate. And I'm very keen to see what the numbers are. Fox numbers we've documented already this year are up comfortably about 10% year on year. I'm keen to see what this does on 10 against footy and rugby um, and see what the numbers are like. And um, that's that's going to be a really interesting guide. But the timing couldn't be better. I, it's a perfect time slot both for Perth and for uh, and for the East Coast where the, where the eyeballs are. It definitely is. Uh, Tim Blanchard, Mark, a fantastic looking car. The Patronus uh, Mercedes type looking car. I'm sure that uh, Betty would be a bit jealous that uh, she didn't get that sponsorship three or four years ago. Well, she's got Penrod, so she's fine. Don't worry about it. But uh, obviously, that's a tie up with uh, the products being for sale through the Cool Drive chain. So, obviously, a bit of a tie up there, but the car looks rad. So, uh, looks very good. See if uh, Timmy Turbo has a good run there and puts on a good show. Uh, sort of murkies the waters a bit because there was a thought that Tim wouldn't come back for the Enduros, but the fact that he's running a wild card here to me suggests that he will come back for the Enduros. So uh, that might mean that, say, Jack Smith will be looking for something somewhere. Who knows? I'm not in charge there, Brad Jones, so I'll figure it out. But uh, to me, it sounds like he wants another run with Macker at Bathurst. be nothing wrong with that, though. That'd be, uh, that'd be fantastic. A nice little combination. Yeah, and Carl's good, doesn't it? Looks looks really good. And the other the other new livery to talk about is a bit of a reunion of sorts with SP Tools jumping back on yeah. board with the Stones this time. Matt Stone Racing and, and the Hazelwood car. So that's gone surprisingly of all the liveries they could have gone. They've gone the retro Mercedes first year Erebus <laughs> SP Tools livery, which was one of the least successful years of motor racing by a team in Australian motorsport. So anyway, uh, car looks great. Um, and that's good to see a well-recognised brand. And they've sort of they've always stayed in the sport after stopping becoming that primary sponsor with Van Gisbergen and Erebus back in the day. Um, of course, long relationship with Stone Brothers, but they've always remained involved. They've popped up sponsoring pit lane equipment and gear and teams for for smaller sponsorship. But good to see a brand like that back on board in a in a major way on the side of a car and for a team that's been kicking some pretty good goals so far this year. So that's a, another small win. Yeah, it is, and uh, great to hear that. Uh, yeah, that sort of, that sort of stuff is happening for them. Uh, last year wasn't the most successful year for that team, but uh, we were always told it was a two-year operation, and uh, this year has definitely turned things around. Well, with the big talk of the last couple of weeks has been parity, hasn't it, guys? And in regards to the aerodynamics and the like of the uh, the new Ford Mustang, are we expecting any different result? No. We're expecting a different car, though. Some of those pictures that have come out of uh, of some of the workshops about the uh, the adjustments to the cars, it doesn't look as wicked as what it did three or four weeks ago. It's not going to change. It, it's we're, We've covered this off so many times. 
I'm, I'm sick of it. I just want to see them go racing. And, and the best outcome is McLaughlin wins this weekend or Fabian or one of the ticket guys. doesn't matter. Um, because that's, that will just emphasize the point that the shell Fords in particular have been doing a better job, but all the four teams have got their act together and are doing a, a strong job. And, and what we've been talking about at length last week about the woes of, um, of triple eight at the moment, especially with their coming to grips with the suspension stuff. So, Look, I, I think the best result is that McLaughlin continues on his merry way. Even if he doesn't get two poles and two wins, I'm I'm convinced that he'll get one and one at least, um, given that this was a track he was unbelievably good at last year. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to change a huge amount, to be honest with you. If anything, it, it's kind of like, you know, it's just like not a false promise, but you know when you tell somebody, no, it's going to be okay, but they're absolutely going to fall down that massive ravine they're running up to. That it's, it's like they've just gone to the holding teams. It's all right. We've taken them back. It's all going to be fine. The four teams will just keep winning anyway, um, just despite them. So, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, Scott McLaughlin coming out uh, during the week in Speed Cafe, Mark, saying that uh, you can't put a parody on hard work. And that's pretty much uh, what we thought has been the case with uh, DJR Team Penske. Just hard work has got them to where they're at. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're smart operators. They're not dominating NASCAR, sports cars, Indy cars, everything else, because they just roll the arm over and have a go. Like, they're very good at motorsport. That's what they do. And sort of talking to some people who are smarter on the subject than myself, it sounds like what they've taken away from the downforce around the corners in this car is just going to make it faster in a straight line. So they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. So the thing's not going to be slower. No, he's still going to go out there and do the same thing. And keep in mind, that supercar, it's a dirty great sedan. It's not it's not a Formula One car, an open wheeler with massive aerodynamics. Yeah. It's a dirty great sedan. And they're not terribly aerodynamic devices. So whatever. Yeah, we'll see. But I, I think that's what adds to the whole intrigue about this weekend because we've also got the new track surface there. So yeah. there's a whole lot of unknowns. Like do they you know, with the new track surface, it's going to be a lot more grippy. There's not going to be that emphasis on keeping the tyres under the car for a long race run. So you can go out there and tune them up to be a bit more aggressive. How much more aggressive do you want to go? Like, do you really give it a big big swing and hopefully set an out, outright lap time to get yourself up the front? Will it pay off? It's hard to say. No one knows, and that's why it's going to be worth tuning in up, so... One of the best thing about these night races is the fact that, uh, and we, we've seen it a fair bit in the production car night races, where cars have different coloured lights around the bottom of the car or their headlights or the like. Tell you what, I was excited to see the look of Rick Kelly's Castrol Nissan. Now, that green lighting that they've got underneath it, that's going to look spectacular. Yeah, well, they've done that across all four cars, Shebeck, so yeah. that's, that's going to be quite good. And hopefully there's more of that. If there was a disappointment about the Sydney race last year, it was that more teams didn't put an effort in, um, and I hope that I hope that that changes. And I agree with you. One of the great charms is that fight in the night. Sometimes it's the fraught in the night uh, at Queensland Raceway <laughs> for production cars. Um, is that teams go all out? And we've had guys with LED strips over the roof and flames, and sometimes the lighting displays are induced by giving the engine an over rev and blowing it up. But um, it just all adds to it and puts it to a really good show. And, um, yeah, I, I hope more teams make the effort to do it with some reflective reflective numbers and stickers and liveries and, and the lights under the cars like the Kellys. It doesn't take a huge amount of effort to do that, but it adds a lot to the show, and that's what this is all about. It's about putting on a show and 
an entertainment product. So um, why not? I like it. Not being There's one thing. Um, sorry, yeah, one thing uh, about the the whole show is the TV camera angles. Like one of the things we noted last year after Sydney Motorsport Park is that they went with fairly stock standard traditional camera points at the track. True. Which in a lot of cases you're just looking at headlights, which no, that's fine. Like you sort of know what's going on, but they're just headlights coming towards you. I wonder if this weekend they're going to change it up and use some different side angles or different views just to just to sort of so you can see the cars a bit better. Yeah, and that's that's the nature of like NASCAR racing, especially in covering NASCAR night races. That for the most part, shots are side on, so or at the very least three quarter angles. So you, well, you they, never they don't have headlights. Either. They don't have headlights either. To be fair, but um, no, I agree with you. That, that's going to be an interesting thing, and. Um, I know Nate Prendergast and the, the senior heads at Supercar Media have been there since Monday um, setting up, and that was part of that lights test they did last night, uh, Monday night, our time. And, um, yeah, I, I'm sure that it, it, it's part of the package of evolving it. And for that first one in Sydney, there were so many moving pieces to get that going, bringing the light towers in, arranging the pre-event show, the driver intros. I think trying to be reinvent the wheel with camera positions of the track, which... You can do a bit with at Sydney Motorsport Park, but really to cover the corners you need to cover, there's probably not that much you can do there. Um, it's sort of the same way. You engineer in different ways, but end up with the same result. Um, yeah, I think they just elected that that was one thing they just didn't need to bother with at that point. So hopefully that changes uh, gradually and they'll, they'll evolve the product for sure. But um, Barbie Gallo may well lend, lend that better anyway um the other thing i'm interested to see is um they're going to have the drone there again so we'll have some aerial nighttime drone shots from that amazing infield uh angle as they barrel up the hill up towards um cold corner over the back so uh yeah it should make a a good tv spectacle and it's a much shorter a much shorter track distance as well like it's one and a half miles versus you know over four k's there for sydney motorsport park so it should be an easier thing to light up yeah yeah 100 percent and I think the Sydney, they were close to 50 light towers, but I think they've still got like 45 for this weekend, or it, it, it's close to that mark. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. But, but mm. Barbagello's got existing lighting already, and they, they're one of the few tracks in the country that actually run night racing as part of their state championship stuff. So there's already existing infrastructure there that I think will add to that, whereas Sydney had nothing. So... Mm. Um, yeah, I think that will all add to it and make it a better spectacle. But I still think they've got to be careful not to fall into the trap of making it look like Abu Dhabi. Um, as, as great as that all looks under lights, you may as well be racing under day uh, in the daytime. So there's still, I think, got to be an element of it, it doesn't need to be lit up like a Christmas tree and lit up so it's, it's a massive, bright environment. The patches of darkness, I think, are worthwhile to have to add that feeling of, you know, Le Mans in the middle of the night or the Bathurst 12 hour at the start, stuff like that. I just, just adds to the theatre and the drama a little bit. So there's, there's a balance to be found somewhere in there. The only similarity between Barbagallo and Abu Dhabi is that there's desert around Barbagallo. <laughs> That's the only similarities you're going to get between those two tracks. Well, I, I was clutching at straws for my analogy there, so that's, it wasn't working for me, so I just went with what I could think of. They're, they're, they're both long-haul flights, but you only get 33 in Abu Dhabi. 
Isn't that the truth? <laughs> 41 lights uh, is that number that you're looking for, mate, and five stadium-type floodlights as well yeah. temporarily installed for the uh, for the track over there in Perth, though, which is much more – it'll be yeah, much more lit up than Sydney was. A final one on the race before we get your thoughts and tips. Uh, the resurfacing of the track as well, something that's probably been a little bit overdue. Is that going to uh, affect racing at all? Will it make it faster? Will it make it better? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to change the pace, certainly. Uh, new, new track surface always does that. Uh, it'll change the understanding of, of how tyres wear, and a lot of practice early on the weekend will be about learning that and relearning that circuit because it's been a constant for a couple of years that it's a high-deck circuit. You know, you can pull the crazy trade lounge strategy thanks to Ludo from a couple of years ago and Blaze from behind, and Scotty did it as well by, by throwing an extra set of tyres at it. So that, that will change, but... As Mark touched on before, Shebex, it's just another variable that just keeps the picture of where the field is at completely cloudy because you can prioritise the Mustang back, but the variable of this new track surface will just change the game again completely. Mm, so correct. for all we know, they'll just go and smash the setup in practice one, which is entirely likely with the way the Penske cars have been rolling out of the transporter, and they'll dominate regardless of whether it's a new track surface or a parity adjustment or whatever. So it, it just, it continues to be as clear as mud in understanding the form guide in this category because every event so far has thrown up a new variable, something different that we've never had before. So until we get to a circuit where there's none of that, and I reckon that's going to be Darwin in the middle of the year, which is a great balance between straight line speed, like Mark said before, with the changes to this car and a bit of aero around the back. Weather's always the same there. The track surface has been the same for a while. Probably the first circuit we'll go to, you know, barring Winton where it could be snowing or raining, that we're actually going to get a clean read on this. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's a strange uh, scenario and a, a different scenario that gets thrown at them this weekend. So, yeah, interesting. Looking forward to seeing how they adapt to it. Mark, your thoughts? Who wins? Oh, motorsport will win, no doubt. Um, <laughs> Always. Probably Scotty, um, yeah. but you don't know. You'll see how they roll out. I mean, I like the old track surface because it wasn't the cookie-cutter, mm. let's just go race. It's something stupid. It was something different to every other racetrack. It's a bit like the Azerbaijan Formula 1 track. It's a bit dumb. Like, it doesn't. it's not the norm where you turn up there and you know that your tyres are going to last this long. Like, you really had to baby them. It was something completely different. You'd roll up there. You wouldn't have to do that anywhere else in the calendar, but you knew that the truck was going to be sandpaper. This yeah. time, you can go out there and absolutely rag and hopefully drag home results. So, you know, give it give it 12 months, it'll be back to its old tricks, but uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend to see how it pans out. Richard, tips? Uh, look, I, I genuinely believe that McLaughlin and, and probably Fabian Tolpart are going to win the races this weekend. I, I just can't see any reason why that will change. It's not an aero track anyway, so you can clip them all you like. They're still going to be fast if it's a good chassis, which they are. So I, I think McLaughlin, I, I'm interested to see what Triple Eight are doing and where they're at and if they've made progress. So McLaughlin will win. I think Red Bull will probably get some cars on the podium and, um, yeah, outside of that, it's a bit of a free-for-all. Here's a tip. I would love to see BJR continue their good form because they've been one of the great stories. They've sort of just flown under the radar a little bit this year. Um, but they've been chipping away and they've been in the top 10 most races. I'd like to see them grab a podium. So let's throw, oh, let's say it'll be Slady just 
picking one out of the air for a, for a podium finish over the weekend as well. All right, beauty, and we also wish Dave Reynolds uh, all the best in his 300th Virgin Australia Supercars Championship uh, race. I forgot, I forgot about Reynolds. Yeah, yeah he'll be there, won't yeah. he? Uh, too late. Yeah, too late. late. No, no, I've made, made my bet. Yep. yep. <laughs> hey, boys, thanks again for your time. Always uh, enjoy the weekend. No, it should be good. I'm looking forward to uh, covering it from the lounge, Shebex, for a change. So, uh, uh, well, that's actually that's a good question, and I'm doing exactly the same. Are you going to watch it with the lights off in a lounge room? <laughs> so all you see is the cars coming out of the wall. That's what I'm going to well, do. All lights off. Well, we turned, we turned the lights in the media centre and the commentary box off for Sydney last year. So... Yeah, yeah, why not? Why I've not? got a nice selection of responsible beverages and some irresponsible lined up, good to go. Uh, I've got some mates that are going to come around and watch the Saturday night one. So that's that's what this is all about. You know, this is, instead of watching the footy, go watch the motor racing. So I, I think this is going to be good fun. I think you're right too. Uh, Mark, what are you doing? Uh, well, I've got no mates and it's past my bedtime, so I don't know how I'm going to deal with this whole situation here because I'm normally in bed by 8.30. Uh, I'm more of an American motorsport time zone person, like the 4am time zone. Yep. But, uh, yeah, no, we'll be watching and uh, trying to be as sober as possible. All right, boys, thanks for your time. Stick around, folks. We're going to take a very, very quick break and then coming up on the other side, Dale Rogers to talk some Formula One. Dale Rogers joins us on the line for a bit of a chat about F1s and other things as well. G'day, Dale. Tony, how are you, mate? I'm okay. Uh, Azerbaijan, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. Well, I don't know. Mercedes are just powerful at the moment. It, they're sort of the uh, – we've got Mercedes powerful in F1. We've got DJR Team Penske powerful in supercars. Racing's getting just a little bit uh, not exciting at the moment. Tony, I think the uh, the, the F1 excitement uh, came on Friday and Saturday and it departed Baku by Sunday. Yes. Um, there, there was an extraordinary amount going on. And, you know, once again, we, we have spoken about this, that Ferrari seemed to be able to come out uh, on a Friday um, at a number of different tracks, a number of different conditions, and absolutely blitz the field, um, to which then Mercedes will arrive uh, through Toto Wolff to say, that we're scared, uh, that we don't know. It's up. He's quoted as saying, there's no way we can make that up. Theatre, theatre, um, theatre. When they're, when they're 1.4 seconds behind the Ferraris on Friday. Now, this, is a, this, is a, this, this has happened every race so far. So here's a strategy that Ferrari want to get to a race pace quickly. And uh, Mercedes are quite comfortable. They know where they're going to be and do their long runs and do their homework and then just come out and qualifying and absolutely turn it on. But... To close down that sort of uh, that sort of gap from from the Friday was extraordinary, and then when you saw the two Mercedes in qualifying, they were electric. Now I know there's a lot of issues at Baku. There's, there's a lot of um, you know getting the right toe down the, down the straight, and, and of course Patel lost his uh, his wingman when Leclerc put it into the into the barriers. Um, but that's a huge gap to make up, and and I'm you just got to think that that they are approaching the weekend in a very different way to the way Ferrari are approaching it. And, and look, I think I think with Leclerc's accident, uh, probably possibly predicated by the team uh, having both cars out on, on the on the median tyre or the soft tyre as they call it, um, it was a strange strategy. Uh, obviously, what they were trying to do, I guess, was was to 
to get that tie in the zone and then possibly take that tie in Q2 to their um, uh, to their quali- to their starting tyre, which of course Leclerc ended up doing anyway because he crashed. Um, but both cars on the same strategy, it's, it's really asking some questions about how they're going about this at the moment. And then Mercedes just really just dominated on the weekend. Mm-hmm. I think, Tony, one thing I'd like to, to, to touch on, though, is the virtual safety car. Yeah. Now, I'm no fan of the virtual safety car. I'll put my hand up straight away. But, uh, you know, given that you are, and it's all it's all on sectors and delta times and things, but in that when that uh, virtual safety car came out, the effect that it had on the tyres of the three leading, or in fact, the four leading cars towards the end of the race was extraordinary. Yeah. Um, they were close before that. Uh, that it was Gasly's uh, failure that, that, that brought it out. They were close, and yet Hamilton lost nearly two seconds to Vettel, uh, to to um, uh, Bottas in that period. Uh, his tyres went away a bit. Bottas's tyres seemed to keep in the window. Vettel's tyres went off a bit, and 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 the the guy that was closing down to Stappen was absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Now, had they all been thumped up behind a safety car, I reckon it probably would have been a far better race. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting. Uh, thing. It's something that F1 definitely seemed to be uh, pursuing. I mean, they they don't. There's no talk of getting rid of the virtual safety car. But you're right. Uh, my thoughts are: if it's good enough for a safety car, it's good enough for a safety car. And I I, I still don't understand the method and the, uh, the 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 reasoning behind a virtual safety car. Yeah, well, I mean, Gasly had gone off. Um, the officials obviously were, were down the escape road there. They've got to check the car that, that the car's been nullified electrically, and there's a bit of bit of going there. But he got it a long way off the road. Um, you can see from the onboard camera looking back at the track, he was a long way off. Did a great mm. job getting the car off the track. Um, you know, double yellows in that area. Yeah, surely? exactly. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't that do? I would have it thought it wasn't an accident. It, it wasn't. There was no. It was. It wasn't like Kubica or. Or, or, or Charles Leclerc in the wall. You know, he was he was down the escape road. The officials are there. Double yellows. You, you know, if, if you want to do something silly on a double yellow, yes, you're going to call a penalty. But you know, th- these guys should be able to deal with that. And and, and that VSC to me, it ruined the race. Um, uh, not that Mercedes were ever going to lose it, but I think that I think Vettel would have had a chance of at least having a crack at Hamilton towards the end. One bloke that had his race ruined on Friday was George Russell. That was a pretty nasty incident, wasn't it, with that uh, manhole uh, cover coming up and just smashing his car. Extraordinary, Tony. And, um, uh, you know, if there's a team that needed it, it, it wasn't Williams, that's no, for sure. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, all the problems they've got and uh, apparently just hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage to the car. And lovely that the promoters uh, sent a bunch of flowers to the pit, to the pit garage. You know? <laughs> I, I think I would have been looking for a rather large check, not, not a bunch of flowers. Oh, goodness. Um, but no, they're, they're, they're having a terrible time. But uh, you've got to take your hat off too to... Um, to Australian uh, Michael Massey, who stepped into Charlie Whiting's yep. chair. He had to make a very, very tough decision on Friday. Uh, and, and he gets good advice, but at the end of the day, it's his call, and he, and, he, and he pulled the session off. Now, he probably had no choice, but he seems in control. He seems to be making good decisions. Um, he, he's, he's decisive, and I think they've got a, a fantastic uh, successor to Charlie, and I hope that Michael keeps the job. It's great to see him involved. Yeah, He was out on the track on Friday looking at that, I believe he was he was also very heavily involved in, in getting the safety barriers back um, at turn eight. Um, doing a great job. Great to see an Aussie uh, really killing it over there. Saw him in some interesting discussion with Ross Braun, I think, on Sunday pre-race, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't heated, so, but it was. It looked interesting. 
It looked interesting, didn't it? It, it, it uh, Michael was quite animated, and yeah. uh, Ross was his normal sort of <laughs> stoic <laughs> self. <laughs> uh, Daniel Ricciardo, was it a brain fade that'll cost him three grid spots for the next race? Yeah, look, you'd have to say so. I, you know, was it a panic again, attack? Tony, we, we talked the other week that the, the, the Renault, once it finally gets going, and it had a horror weekend because everything they did to it didn't work. Yeah. Um, but once he gets on the charge, he'd moved up from 13th or 14th place. And that was a challenge for 10th. Um, if you're watching the times roll down on, on the thing, he was catching uh, Danny Kivia quite comfortably. He made a, a, yeah, I mean, he made a huge lunge. He was he was a long way from ninth place, but he was, you know, getting in the points, and that's important to him and to the team. But uh, the fact that he actually didn't even look in the mirror, from it, it would seem he didn't look in the mirror, because even if, and, and we know the mirrors on Formula One cars don't give you great viewing, but I would have thought he would have seen a great big blue and silver and a Red Bull logo in one of those mirrors at some point. You would have thought so. And I think what he's done is he's on the probably on the on the wheel, check, you know, getting getting the gears into reverse and then flooring it and uh, making it uh, making it all look pretty stupid. So got a feel for him, but yeah, it was a it was a rookie mistake, I think. And uh, yes, he's going to pay for it. And the fact that they're not qualifying well. Barcelona is a circuit that the, you know that they've all tested on, but uh, you're going to have to think he's going to have a real struggle on his hands next week. And, and Hulkenberg over the weekend, at least at least if it was anything, Daniel did a much better job than Hulkenberg. But the cars are nowhere, um, and when you look at the Renault in the back of that McLaren, um, you're now starting to think, well, yes, there's been mechanical failures and, and there's been a, some, some some probably some bad luck with the two, yeah. but. Uh, you know, McLaren have got that engine working pretty well, and realistically, they are emerging um, as the fourth best team. Probably them and, and uh, uh, Racing Point, you know, did a great job as well. And, and Renault should be with them, if not in front of them. Exactly. Yeah, at what point do we expect that Lewis Hamilton's going to have a tantrum? We can't have his teammate in front of him on the World Championship stand, yeah, can we? He, he didn't look too happy. I, actually, my favourite bit of the, of the Grand Prix is, uh, is uh, watching his absolutely orchestrated move to remove the helmet, get the cap on before you see the hair, and then he's got the skull cap on before he goes to the party. I mean, his, um, his, his little blonde physio who, who works with him was positioned so perfectly with a backpack to make sure that no one could see that hairdo once again. And, uh, you know, if it's that bad, cut it off. You know, it's... it's uh, <laughs> You're that embarrassed. It is quite bizarre the lengths he goes to to not expose their hair when it's slightly out of place or a bit sweaty and you look at the other blokes that couldn't give a damn you know it's, yeah. it is it is quite extraordinary anyway that's Lewis and uh, I guess he's colourful and everything else but uh, yeah I don't think he, I think he'd be pretty unhappy about that uh, he he claims he let him off the hook at turn one um, Bottas was in one of those Melbourne moods I think Tony he mm. he had the bit between his teeth and I, I'd love to have seen Hamilton make a charge because I think I think Bottas would have closed him down uh, no doubt. Four flyaways done and dusted. We're back on European soil and back in Spain for race number five. Yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting, Tony, because a lot of upgrades will go to the cars. Ferrari have already talked about upgrades they're bringing to Barcelona. Everyone will have something on the cars. Uh, hopefully, Williams have a new car. Uh, but, um, you know, everyone will be doing something as the factories have been working after their flyaways. Uh, there will be upgrades. Um, again, that long, long straight at Barcelona. Uh, Ferrari were the quickest there in uh, winter testing. Um, Mercedes were obviously next, but, uh, you know, at the moment they're completely out-strategizing Ferrari. They're out-racing them, and, uh, you know, you, you you would hope that Charles Leclerc is the one who perhaps breaks through for Ferrari because he, he richly deserves a win. 
Um, you know, I thought he was very, very, very uh, upfront about the fact that he made a big mistake. Um, it was really interesting watching Ant Davidson talk about that, that, he, yeah. that the car was going to rotate, um, where Kubitz's, you know, he, he'd hit the thing. But he, it was interesting how Ant said that if the front right had a blocked, he probably would have been able to go straight ahead. But as the car turned, he thought, I'll get out of this. And I just thought his honesty and his, his, his youthful freshness is great. I hope he is the one who breaks through. Nothing, nothing against Vettel, but I think it, it would be great to see him get a trouble-free race and perhaps take it to uh, the two Mercedes boys because I think he's capable of doing it if he gets rid of all those gremlins. Yeah, I think you're right too, Dale. Just be, as we get off Formula One, just onto a couple of other quick topics. We'll talk about supercars in a sec as well. I'll get your thoughts on this weekend's uh, night race over in Perth. But uh, TCR also, we spoke about that last week, sort of making a little bit of a mark. And amazing to see that uh, the, the Kelly boys and Todd Kelly has uh, headed over to Germany and uh, to try and learn... Some uh, some tricks, I suppose, from uh, teams over there. Yeah, they've done a deal with uh, Lubna Motorsport. Um, they're they're the, the, the team that are supplying some, uh, the, certainly the Opals. Um, and uh, you know, Todd's gone there. I mean, one thing Todd is is his engineering ability and, and, and that side of he, he's first class at. Yeah, um, they're serious about this. There's no doubt about it. And uh, uh, they're obviously getting cars from one of the one of the good European teams. But I think to sh- you're right to, to show the fact that he is prepared to go over there, spend the weekend with them, and really in- immerse himself in this formula suggests to me that the supercar teams, and in fact the David Wall teams and some of the other teams that are going about this, um, are treating this very, very seriously. And uh, uh, as I said last week, I know I know there's a lot of scepticism around. There always is with new things uh, in motorsport, but uh, I-, I really hope this series kicks. I- I- I've watched a lot of the racing from Asia and in Europe, and uh, Mark made the point last week that you know well, it's, it's crash and burn over there, and it is a bit because it, it's not the same level here. Well, it won't be in the early days, but you know this is a great little formula. The cars are, are exciting to, to watch. They may not feed the V8 diet we've had, but uh, I, I just think it's a it's a really nice um, adjunct to what we, the other the cars we see racing in Australia. And I, I really hope that the Todd Kellys and the Gary Rogers and the the other guys that don't really uh, make this a success. I think if there's a competitive racing and there's you know up to six to eight cars that can all vie for a win in, in any week, I think the punters will enjoy that. Yeah, I had a good look at the Hyundai down at the Grand Prix uh, that was running the speed comparison test that Nathan Morkham was driving, yeah. and that's obviously a car he'll be driving. And, and, and it's it's it's, re- it's a beautifully built motor car. You know, it's obviously it is a production car, and I think that's that's something that's I think is quite exciting that it it, it is from a production car base. Um, but the workmanship and the build on the car is absolutely first class. You know, there's no question that this, this is a serious, serious motor racing uh, car. It's a re- really, really good thing. So I'm looking forward to um, Sydney Motorsport Park. I hope the uh, I hope the public, um, you know, give it some time. It will need some time, but I, I, I think that it, it, it just it probably fits a bill in Australia that uh, you know could do as well. It certainly does. And finally, mate, we'll get your thoughts on what's going to happen over in Perth for the. Uh, well, one thing I one thing I did see, Tony, was that the Supercars released some photographs of um, Alex Rulo. Uh, yeah, it looked good, didn't it? Testing for them, and it looked fantastic. It, it's that it's that bullring sort of uh, style circuit from the uh, uh, from the start finish line up up around turn two, three, four, and then up over the hill. So you've got that sort of you've got that amphitheater style. Um, I think it, it, it and the lighting looked terrific yeah. on, on on the images we've seen. Um, yes, I think it's going to be great. I, 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 the, the, you know, a Friday night race and a Saturday night race from a TV perspective, it'll be great. Um, 
you know, we've obviously got all the question marks over the Mustang, um, how it will be, whether Triple Eight can sort of regain some form. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it should, it's, it's shaping up. It is always a good race meeting. You know, it's, it, there's always a lot of action. It does offer, it's a track that offers at least three genuine passing opportunities in a, you know, in, in a very, very short lap, which is rare. The other good thing, of course, Tony, is that the, the whole grid is only separated by less than a second. So, uh, where we saw perhaps at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park last year, where the cars do get strung out a bit, they rarely get strung out here. You can go down a lap if you uh, on a pit stop in the longer race on the Saturday night. So, uh, look, I think the stage is set for a, for a fantastic event over there, and uh, uh, I can't recall a bad Perth uh, event even in the daylight. So, uh, this should be spectacular. And uh, much more of the same up the front, uh, the same sort of winners. Do you think? <clears throat> well, you you would think so. I think that, that we, we want Erebus, uh, Tickford, and perhaps Brad Jones Racing, even Walkinshaw to join the party. But I. I You'd have to think that it's it's a DJR Team Penske Triple um, Eight circuit. Triple uh, Eight have done extremely well over recent years, as has DJR with McLaughlin recently. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the the focus will be on on what's happened to the Mustang, um, but uh, I don't expect there'll be much change at the front. Thanks for joining us, Dale. Really appreciate it as always. Thanks, Tony. See you next week. Dale Rogers joining us here on the grid. So there you have it, another episode of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Of course, powered by theracetalk.com. Jump on there for some fantastic stories uh, in and around motorsport. We'll catch you again next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com.